0: All right, good morning, church. Uh, I'm always grateful to be back here and worshiping with you. Um, I'm also grateful to, be, uh, to have the opportunity uh, to teach on this passage. Um, this passage is foundational for me, uh, especially when I uh, first uh, was reading the, the Bible and, and I came across this passage. Uh, it just spoke to me in a way that, that I've never heard of I've never heard anything like it uh, before, and you have to remember, I I grew up a Muslim and and this kind of grace and truth wasn't really uh, practiced very often, and so when I came across this passage, it it just spoke to me, and I remember asking myself, um, wow, if if this is who Jesus is, and this is a God I want to follow, and so I'm uh, I'm really excited to be teaching about it. Today we're going to be looking at um, the challenge that was before Jesus, um, we're going to look at what the challenge was, uh, we're going to look at uh, adultery in itself, we're going to go look at the sin and, uh, and how Jesus uh, addressed it, and lastly we're going to look at the response that Jesus had, and I'm going to be coming uh, to this lesson from two viewpoints. I'm going to break up my lesson into, um, firstly, the interaction that Jesus had with the religious leaders, and secondly, um, the interaction he had with the women, and um, I think there's a lot to learn from both. Uh, First of all, I want to tell you about a story of a a man and a woman who were um, celebrating their 50th year anniversary, and in doing so, they decided to go to the Caribbean for a vacation. And um, one night, they were on a cruise. Uh, they were enjoying this beautiful moment together, and they were uh, thinking about their 50 years of marriage and reminiscing some moments, and uh, whoosh, out of nowhere, a genie appeared. And the genie says to the both of them, Good wishes, I want to grant the both of you a wish for being married for 50 years. And he looks at the, at the woman first, and he says, uh, And what would you like? And she says, you know, I'm having such a wonderful time with my husband. um, I'd love to be able to to go to a vacation all over the world with him. And whoosh, just like that, two tickets were in her hand. Then he looks at the man and he says, and what would you like, sir? And um, the man says, you see, I just wish that my wife was 30 years younger. And whoosh, just like that, the man turns 90. As I was thinking about that story, I was thinking about a group of religious leaders who uh, came in hoping for an outcome and boy did they get something far different than what they had wished for. And so, let's move along. I want to look at the challenge that was before Jesus. What was the challenge that Jesus was facing? And John tells us this in verse 5. It says, Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charges to bring against him. So Jesus was, um, was in a bind. Um, before we get into that, I, I want to focus in, I want to I bring the, I want to back you up to John chapter 7. I want to set the context for this, uh, for John chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. In chapter 7, Jesus literally spends the whole entire day with these. Pharisees regarding religious matters. See, they, they, they're asking Jesus all these questions and Jesus has to correct them for the most part. He has to redirect them. And uh, at the end of John chapter 7, um, we know that the religious leaders go on uh, to their homes and Jesus goes on uh, to the Mount of Olives. But um, there was division amongst the religious leaders. And so they realized that no longer, um, they, they didn't really want to argue back and forth with him anymore. And so what do they do? They bring in this adulterous woman, the woman who was caught in adultery, and they were trying to set him up. And so John chapter 8 is a continuation of, the, of John chapter 7. So it's, it's the next day. And so in, in John chapter 8, um, John doesn't begin by telling us about, the adulterous woman. There's a detail that we sometimes miss from, the, from this passage. Um, he tells us that uh, Jesus uh, spent his day, uh, his previous night, at the Mount of Olives. And I think that's a, a detail that we miss from this passage. Um, Sorry. So Jesus began his day uh, from a place of prayer. Notice, he doesn't begin by telling us the story directly. He says that he went on the Mount of Olives. And if you know your Bible, what does Jesus do on the Mount of Olives? He prays. Luke uh, 5.16 tells us, Jesus himself would often slip away and uh, slip away to the wilderness and pray. Matthew 14.23 And he had sent the crowds away. Uh, He went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening... He was there alone. And I think there's something to be said from entering our place from a place of prayer, isn't it? Think about it. If you're a a parent, uh, your kid calls you up and and you're having, you know, they're struggling with something. um, You're going to have to be graceful and and maybe use it as an opportunity to teach them. If you're a friend, um, if you're a co-worker, if you're an employer, if you're a teacher... If you're a coach, I think it's so important that we enter our place from a place of prayer just like Jesus did. And a question we can ask ourselves is, how, uh, how often do we pray? Luke tells us, Luke, uh, Jesus prayed often. And I think we should do as well. Um, I say this because I think... Um, If you're like me, none of us has the power to be able to tell our days ahead, do we? We don't know what's coming before us. And so starting our days from a place of prayer really sets the tone as to how we're going to handle each situation. And I think Jesus does this here wonderfully. Let's move on. How How does Jesus confront conflict? It says, The scribes and the Pharisees brought in a woman who had been caught in adultery. And replacing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? Uh, this they said to test him, so that they might have a charge against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his fingers on the ground. So how does Jesus confront conflict? He listened. He listened to them. Jesus interacted with the l- religious leaders by listening. Now, while he was listening, he wrote uh, something. And, and it's a mystery as to what Jesus wrote on the ground, And as uh, John tells us in verse 6. Maybe he was writing the sins of uh, the Pharisees. Maybe he was writing because there were scribes in the crowd. None of us know, but it was effective. See, the religious leaders in this story aren't really interested in seeking true justice. They're not really... Um, Interested uh, that the fact that this woman was caught in the act of adultery. They're more interested in setting Jesus up. They're trying to set this, use this woman so that Jesus might, um, might set himself up. And um, if you know Roman law, if Jesus would have said, Yeah, you know what, go ahead and stone this woman. Well, guess what? They would have said that... Uh, they would have went to the Romans and told the Romans that Jesus is authorizing us to kill somebody. And back then, nobody had... Um, authority to take anybody's life unless you're a Roman official. If Jesus says no, don't stone her. Well, guess what? They're going to say you are a lawbreaker. You're a heretic. You're breaking the law of Moses. And so Jesus listened to them. And I love what um, James one nineteen twenty says. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. And slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I think Jesus practiced listening in this situation masterfully. I want to move on. And as they continued to ask him. He stooped up and said to them. Let him who is without sin. Among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and rode on the ground. But when they heard it. They went away one by one. Beginning with the older older ones first. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. How does Jesus confront conflict? He spoke. Jesus interacted with the religious leaders verbally. He raised one of the most famous questions in the Bible. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. This is probably uh, just as popular as don't judge lest you be judged. The question Jesus asked the religious leaders has echoed for centuries. It is one of the most misunderstood verses, particularly when somebody is caught in sin, when somebody is trying to justify their actions. And as Jesus asked that question, I bet you can hear the loud thuds uh, of each person dropping the rock. John says, the older ones went away first. (coughs) Excuse me. And then, you know, that's interesting because... Why do you think the older ones left first? I was thinking about that. And maybe it's because they carried more guilt. Maybe they were wiser. But nonetheless, they were the first to leave. Proverbs twelve eighteen tells us, There is one whose rash words are like sore thrust, but the tongue otherwise brings healings. And didn't Jesus' tongue bring healing to this woman? So I want to move on. How does Jesus confront sin? I want to look specifically at at the sin itself. Because this passage, um, it's a controversial passage. A lot of people think that Jesus uh, is okay with the sin adultery. Or a lot of people think that, oh Jesus just minimized it and He let her off the hook. But I want to look at adultery in itself. So what is adultery? Sorry. Okay, so I want to give a definition of adultery. It's not a word that we use very often today. But pretty much what adultery means is voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. So equivalent words that we use today are uh, infidelity or cheating. That's probably more familiar to us. And by the way, as a side note, about 20 to 40% of marriages that end up in divorce are related to cheating. Adultery and cheating violates God's marriage union that he instituted in Genesis 2.24. It reads, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Hebrew 13.4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexual immoral and adulterous so Jesus is um, based on these verses we know that without a question adultery cheating or infidelity are sin and Jesus did not minimize that Jesus's entire mission on earth is to do the father's will John 6.38 tells us, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. So, so God, Jesus is not going to come in and contradict what God has instituted. How many of you guys remember the story of um, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky in 1998? Do you guys remember that? Okay, let me refresh your memory. Um, Clinton, Bill Clinton, hired Monica Lewinsky as an intern in, in uh, 1995. And in 1998, n- news began to surface that Bill Clinton had sexual misconduct with Monica. And so the news of this story began to cause a lot of controversy. And you can see why. Uh, you know, the news outlets, news stations were having a field day with this story. You know, they were writing about it. A lot of views were coming in. And... Um, later on, when it was um, confirmed that, that Bill Clinton did, in fact, have uh, sexual misconduct with Monica, some people came to uh, defend Bill Clinton. And so, um, one thing, one reporter who was on live television uh, uh, said this. Check this out. He says, In the instance of John 8, 1-11, a woman committed adultery, but Jesus did not condemn her. We should not, therefore, make a big deal over such trifling and personal matter." Now when I read that, I'm not sure that that person saying this read the whole entire passage. Yet they do quote it in detail. Um, Because clearly in verse 11, Jesus says, Go and from now on sin no more. But some people like to pervert the Word of God so that it could fit into their lifestyle. Or maybe into their biased opinions. Can you imagine the impact that that statement had on people who are not familiar with the Bible? I'm sure millions of people were following this story, and to hear media reporters translate John one, uh, John eight one to eleven as if Jesus had dismissed the sinful act of adultery or let her off the hook is wrong. As we will see in a moment, Jesus acknowledged her sin. But he used grace and truth truth, to help her turn away and lead a new life. Now I want to move on to um, how Jesus um, dealt with this woman. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Before we do that, I want to take another view uh, from this passage. So another way that people look at this passage is, is by this. They say some people like to take this passage another step further by Saying anybody who is flawed uh, by sin has no right to condemn anybody. After all, none of us are without sin; therefore, we have no authority to condemn sinful behavior. Now, to counter that argument, we can draw from Galatians uh, six one to two. It says, "Brothers, if anyone is who is caught in a, uh, sorry, if anyone is caught in any transgression, who uh, who sorry." If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch over yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We know that as Christians, we should not be tolerating sinful behavior. In Galatians 6, we have clear instructions as to how we handle a brother or sister who is caught in an act, who, or who is sinning. Now, it's not our job to condemn somebody's eternal future. We leave that up to God. But it's important that we correct one another with love, with grace, and truth. Now, let's move on to verse 10. But Jesus, stu- uh, Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, I want to look at the... I want to look at Jesus' interaction with this woman. After everyone left, it was Jesus and the woman left alone. The sinner and the sinless. The only one who could have thrown a stone at her threw out a softy type of a question. He asked her, has no one condemned you? Jesus chose to show the woman grace and truth. And notice that the way Jesus moves in. He showed grace First and then truth. John 1:14 says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father full of grace and truth." So often we forget about the order that Jesus moved in. We often forget uh, how we need to approach each challenge. If you're like me, I tend to jump to the truth part first before showing grace. Others of us like to show grace but we leave the truth part out. We need to pay close attention as to how Jesus dealt with the situation and that is by showing grace first and then truth second. So grace, there is so much to glean from this moment. And the first is this, Jesus stands in between the firing line on our behalf. Jesus stood in between a group of religious leaders who were locked and loaded with rocks, ready to be thrown at this woman. And it's interesting because that is a preview of what's to come to Jesus later on in, in John chapter 8. In fact, in John chapter 8, 59, Jesus takes the very place of the woman. He stands before the Pharisees, and they were ready to throw rocks at Him. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. It's no different for us today. Just like the adulterous woman, we stand accused before the Father, and we should be thankful that we have Jesus who stands in between life and death on our behalf. There is no condemnation in the Lord Jesus. Jesus does not condemn the woman. Even though she did commit adultery, Jesus chose to show her love, grace, and truth. Notice how Jesus doesn't even ask her for her side of the story, which suggests that she bore some sort of responsibility for her actions. Jesus interceded for the adulterous woman, and He chose not to condemn her. John 3.17 For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that we but in order that the world might be saved through him. And John 3:17 is overshadowed by John 3:16. And rightly so. Sometimes we forget that Jesus what Jesus' purpose was the first time that he came around, and he wasn't to condemn the world, but rather to save it. I love what Romans Romans 8:1 and 2 says, "There is therefore now no condemnation." For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And Romans 8.34 says, Who is to be condemned? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at that right hand of God. Who is indeed is interceding for us. The adulterous woman was expecting to be under a heap of stones but instead finds herself on her new faith journey. Scripture does not confirm that this woman became a Christian. But the fact that she refers to Jesus as Lord is a big deal. Notice she doesn't even argue her case. She doesn't even say, Jesus, I was brought in here uh, with the wrong motives. People were trying to set me up. People were showing favoritism against me. She doesn't even say that. She just accepts the fact that she was guilty and she accepts the grace that Jesus showed to her I heard this quote I don't know who to give credit to but but I love the quote itself and I thought it was very fitting for our talk this morning it says the grace of Jesus doesn't change your past but the grace of Jesus changes your future and boy wasn't that the case with this woman just like the woman Jesus didn't change her past but he sure changed her future and isn't that good news for us today the meaning of Jesus' name is one who rescues. Will you allow Him to rescue you today? Now, if you have been living a life without Jesus, and you feel you've been living a sinful life, I've got good news for you. Would you allow Jesus to intercede on your behalf? Would you allow Him to shape your future by accepting Him into your life? And maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Yeah, I'm here, but look... Um, I'm a, I'm a Christian already. Well, what does this mean to me? And I would say, maybe you are a Christian, and maybe you've been struggling with a sin that's been eating at you. And maybe it's been years. Maybe it's been days. Maybe it's been hours. I don't know. But nonetheless, I pray that you'd allow Jesus to intercede on your behalf this morning. Max Lucado said this, Jesus loves you exactly where you are. He just loves you way too much. To let you stay where you are. And that was the case with this woman. Secondly, from Jesus' interaction with this woman, he spoke the truth. Jesus spoke the truth regarding the woman's lifestyle and her sin. And that's an important application for us today. We need to speak the truth against sin. And not sugarcoat it. But let's be gentle and graceful first. What's also truthful is believing in Christ. Jesus is the only one who can redeem us from our sinful lifestyles. Jesus is the only one who can allow us to enter into heaven and spend eternity with God. He's the only one who can intercede. And if Jesus is not the one interceding on your behalf, Revelations 12, 10 tells us, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven that says, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down from, has been hurled down. Did you guys catch that? If Jesus is not the one interceding for you, you know who is? The enemy. In fact, his name is the accuser. And in Revelation, it tells us that this is what He does day and night. He accuses us before God day and night. And I would ask you this morning, let's not let that happen. Let's get, let Jesus, who can intercede for us, let Him do that instead of the enemy. And what's interesting about the rest of John chapter 8, that's why... And the rest of the chapter, in John chapter 8, Jesus is being so direct with these religious leaders, with these Pharisees. He's trying to tell them, look, I am the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I'm the one who can forgive your sins. Believe in me. Don't be so concerned with this woman who committed adultery. And you're using her as a setup. But believe in me. Scripture tells us some did believe in Him, but a lot of them denied Him. And Jesus didn't hold back from speaking the truth to them so that they would believe in Him. He made it so plain, so simple. And, um, you know, I don't know what happened to the rest of the religious leaders, but we do know that some of them came and to believe in Him. I want to round off by... um, Showing you a a footage from a story that maybe you're familiar with. I don't know if if you guys have heard of the story of Botham Jean and Amber Geiger. Um, It it was a big deal in the news. If you're not familiar with it, let me give you a little bit of a background. Um, What happened was, uh, one evening, um, Jean Botham was in his uh, his apartment. Um, And Amber... Uh, is a police officer walks into his apartment but she thought that was her apartment and she shoots him because she thought somebody was a burglar somebody was in her apartment stealing stuff so she shoots him she kills Botham and he dies Um, this caused a lot of controversy because Amber was trying to justify that you know she mistakenly Uh, you know all the apartments are similar and and she just walked in by accident and um, later on uh, Amber Geiger was convicted with manslaughter and so um, on her trial uh, the video I'm about to show you is the brother of Botham it's Brand Jean and I want you to look at his response this is him talking directly to Amber and I want you to look at her response and I just thought that was so fitting with what we were talking about this morning. I'm going to go ahead and play that right now. It's about three minutes or so. I just Okay.
1: I can speak for myself. Right. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask Him, He will forgive you. I think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die, just like my brother did. But I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone but I don't even want you to go to jail I want the best for you because I know that's what—that's exactly what both of them want you to do and the best would be give your life to Christ I'm not going to say anything else think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. And I don't wish anything bad on you. Yes.
0: I always get emotional when I watch that video. Um, uh, Brand got a lot of stick for his reaction. Um, he, a lot of people felt that um, he upset a lot of people. He responded in a way that um, that not what society would have done, you know. Um, And I came across this video on Twitter. And, um, you know, I was just going through some of the comments. And um, for every person bashing Brand, you you also had some people who were impacted by his response. And I, I believe wholeheartedly in my heart that you can't have that kind of response unless you know Jesus. Unless Jesus dwells in you. Did you guys notice how he was begging the the judge to go and give her a hug? I don't know where Amber Geiger is in her faith journey, but I bet you Brandt's response had an impact on her that would at least cause her to think about accepting Jesus in her life. Brandt had every reason to... Bash her to put her down. But instead, he showed her grace and he also told her the truth about Jesus. He said to her, the best thing for you would be to accept Jesus in your life because he's the only one who can forgive what you did. I'm really encouraged by people like Brand, and it's just so awesome to know that the light of Christ does shine in dark moments. I wanted to recap a little bit as to what we talk about this morning. When we are challenged with a conflict, let us pray, pray. let us listen, and let us speak with truth and grace. And when we, are responding to truth, uh, when we are responding to sin, let's be graceful first and then speak the truth. Thank you very much for your time.